welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for February the 26th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the gaming industry, five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So if you enjoy the show, you like what you see, be sure to hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more every single weekday. However, today we have some very big news, so let's go ahead and dive into our headline story. Square Enix is not going all in on the next-gen exclusive games just yet and will instead take it slowly. The next generation seems to be in a really weird spot, and it has not even arrived yet. In the past several months, we have heard about how multiple studios are not developing exclusives yet, making the generational gap between the present and the future that much more ubiquitous. Square Enix is joining that list based on the new statement from President Yosuke Matsuda in a recent financial results briefing. When asked about how the publisher feels about next-generation consoles, Matsuda responded, and I quote, The next-generation consoles will have backward compatibility, so we plan for the time being to make our new titles available for both current and next-generation consoles. It will therefore be somewhat farther down the road that we release titles exclusively for the next-generation consoles, end quote. It's a pretty cut-and-dried response that seems in line with the non-bullish approach from many other publishers, and it also helps create a multifaceted and cascading outcome, which simultaneously props up the value of older consoles if the same games are available on both, while cheapening the idea of getting a shiny new toy that can play all new things. I'm firmly on the side of, quote, the more relevant platforms, the better, the author says. Then again, we are roughly 10 months away from the next gen, and we still don't have firm price points yet. It is going to be an interesting year, and I would say Mr. Chris Carter at Destructoid, that, that's an understatement. So I have one question that I want to present about the quote from Mr. Matsuda here, and that is that the next generation consoles will have backwards compatibility, so we plan for the time being to make our new titles available for both current and next generation consoles. This term is being thrown around in a variety of ways, and that term is backwards compatibility. What does that mean in this specific context? Because in my mind, backwards compatibility is being able to play a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One game on an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5. It is, at its core, the exact same gaming experience, but thanks to the hardware, you are able to run it as if the PS5 was a PlayStation 4 or the Series X was a One X. That is way different than having two different SKUs of the same game, one that could have a potential uh, bit of a beefier boost, if you will, with the more powerful hardware as presented from the next generation. So depending on what is actually meant here by backwards compatibility, you could be getting multiple SKUs of stuff like Final Fantasy VII Remake right off the bat instead of having one that is relied on. Now it would make perfectly good sense either way because for some people uh, it would make a lot more sense for a different skew of the game to be released for the newest generation uh, while for others it makes more sense to rely on backwards compatibility instead of putting out an entirely different skew of the game so I can see both approaches uh, but I would just love some clarity as to what to expect from that but as for right now it does not look like we are going to be getting any kind of clarity until we hear more about the next gen plans uh, by and large because right Right now, there is still a ton of mystery surrounding what's coming in the future, and even in the next 10 months, for the gaming industry. 
On top of that, we've been talking for the past few weeks about how the coronavirus is increasing manufacturing issues for a variety of industries, including the gaming industry. So we could be seeing these consoles pushed back even further than their already unannounced release dates, which of course exist internally. But we could be seeing the release dates of these consoles pushed back. I would not be shocked uh, in the slightest until 2021, personally, in my opinion. But regardless, excited to see the next generation and excited to get my hands on some of the games coming out. But a report has come out that morale among Microsoft's Mixer team is at an all-time low. Let's hope Mixer recovers, they say, at Windows Central. Today, a report from On Microsoft said that the employee morale of Microsoft's live streaming platform Mixer was hitting a significant low. Employees are concerned about the future of the service and there are layoffs taking place. There is also a video that shows a newly appointed Mixer head, Sha ooh, that's a name, Shilpa Yadla. Okay, making a rather harsh sounding pitch to employees while discussing positivity in the workplace culture. The clip is truncated and may seem harsher when removed from the context of the full meeting, but it does not exactly paint Mixer's leadership in a sympathetic light. And of course, that video is linked on the official article, which I have down below. You can read an excerpt that illuminates the situation below. Quote, Mixer has had a rough few months that involved the original founders leaving the business alongside a general manager and corporate vice president. However, what hasn't been reported is that over the last six months, there have been 16 layoffs due to budget cuts, which have shed roughly 15%, excuse me, 25% of an already skeletal team and are causing feature releases to slip schedules. That's according to a Mixer employee who reached out to us concerned about the direction and fate of Mixer. During an internal Mixer town hall last week, executives spoke to its skeleton crew of employees to address the growing sense of frustration and low morale within the business. Unfortunately, their words left a lot to be desired. Shilpa Yadla has been meeting with employees one-on-one, -on -one, presumably to uh, assage? assuage, uh, quelch, I would say, fears and concerns, but on stage, her words may have the adverse effect. Previously, we wrote, they say, at Windows Central about some of the troubles facing Microsoft and Mixer. And of course, Microsoft provided with this statement to address falling morale among the platform's streamers. Quote, we have heard the feedback from Mixer's community and our partners regarding areas where we must improve the service. We recognize that increasing video stability, better discovering capabilities, additional monetization options, and broadening our marketing programs are critically important to our streamers and we are focused on supporting their successes. Our new head of Mixer, Shilpi Yadla is committed to addressing these critical needs and in delivering an incredible experience for Mixer streamers and viewers. The entire Mixer team is working tirelessly behind the scenes on these and other new initiatives to help maintain our positive, welcoming culture as we continue to grow. We expect 2020 will be an exciting year for Mixer and our community." End quote. If it is indeed true that Mixer is faced with staffing issues and low morale, one thing can realistically fix it investment. Microsoft has reportedly spent millions on key streamers like Ninja, but it doesn't seem to have made a particularly large impact on the service thus far. If the reports about Mixer being built up of a small skeleton crew are right, without proper investment in its own staffing, we are not sure, they say at Windows Central, how Microsoft expects to catch up to Twitch and YouTube. Indeed, Microsoft has a history of underfunding promising projects, ultimately leading them to being shut down. Is Mixer doomed to join them? Let us know what you think. 
Okay, I've got some thoughts on this one, let me tell you. Uh, so, right off the bat, Mixer is still, in 2020, losing, and I say that in air quotes for audio listeners, to Twitch, in a very big way. They have very big name streamers over on the platform now. Two that come to mind, Ninja, King Gathalion, another one, Ewok. You have some very big names on this platform, and of course, some organic people that have risen to fame through Mixer, but... With that being said, I think the team is suffering right now because of the fact that they don't have the funding they need and they don't have the support they need from Microsoft. And in general, uh, you can't buy a community. I think that is what Microsoft is realizing. Yes, there are plenty of people using Mixer. Yes, there are plenty of people streaming on Mixer. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to tap into the core gaming audience and hit people like me. When I sit down and I log onto my computer and I want something to watch, I immediately go to either YouTube or Twitch. Those are the two places that I go. It is never going to be on the forefront of my mind to go directly to Mixer until I have that same sense of community built up. And right now, it's just not doing it for me and it's not doing it for the majority of other users. Uh, now, I will say, as somebody who loves Xbox, I totally understand where they're coming from because Mixer is built into Xbox in a foundational, awesome way. If you are a fan of Microsoft, if you're a fan of Xbox, you can find some incredible streams uh, that live on the Xbox ecosystem and that really do work well uh, with not only Xbox, but also Windows. Uh, but overall, that compatibility, that ecosystem doesn't mean much of anything until you have content there to back it up and you have a giant interconnected community. And it's hard to build that whenever Twitch is already such a solid home for a lot of people, uh, to be able to take those people away from the platform they know and love is something that is going to be very, very difficult. And it's something Mixer has been facing for the better part of the past five years, I would say, even when it was Beam. Uh, but what is the future of Mixer? I could easily see this being shuttered because right now we are approaching the beginning of the next generation. And that is the perfect time to sever the umbilical cord between Mixer and Xbox. If you don't want Mixer to be directly identified with the next generation Xbox, this summer is the time to call a make it or break it kind of situation. Uh, you call an audible, if you will, on including Mixer in the base UI and the base user experience for the newest Xbox. So. We'll have to wait till this fall to see exactly what happens with Mixer. Uh, but Microsoft has invested a significant amount of money in their live streaming platform. Uh, very recently, even just a couple of months back, they were buying even more streamers out from Twitch and YouTube. And it's just one of those situations where I feel like they've gone too far to come back without trying to give it their all one more time. So maybe they could bolster the internal side of the Mixer team. But again, this report is coming to us from Windows Central, and it looks like Mixer is going downhill very fast. However, if you want to stream, guess what you can? No matter where you stream, you can play Horizon Zero Dawn on PC, at least according to an Amazon listing. PlayStation 4 exclusive Horizon Zero Dawn's PC port has appeared on Amazon France following rumors it would be making the leap to other platforms. Spotted by Reset Era, the listing is very sparse. It's just the name, publisher, and platform, but the absence of any details, screenshots, or box art suggests this is probably Amazon France hedging its bets, and Amazon listings are not always accurate indicators of a game announcement. The evidence is mounting, however. Rumors of a PC port surfaced last year via YouTuber Anton Logvinov. 
Wow. Indicating that it would be launching as early as this month. It was thin, but its existence was verified by Kotaku, though it could not confirm a release date. With the end of the month only a couple of days away, a February launch seems unlikely, except for the fact that February 28th is Horizon Zero Dawn's third birthday. A surprise launch in a couple of days still seems like a stretch, but perhaps Gorilla and Sony will use the anniversary to announce it. Either way, we'll find out very soon. If it does appear, Horizon Zero Dawn will join a cluster of formerly exclusive games that are now coming to PC, including Detroit Become Human and, later this year, Death Stranding. Then there are also hints of The Last of Us Part Two which will be making its way to the PlayStation 5, but potentially to the PC as well. In the meantime, you can play loads of PS4 games on your PC via PS Now, including Horizon Zero Dawn as of today. Uh, but I think there is a high probability we are going to be seeing an announcement of Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition coming to PC, uh, probably in a couple of days on February the 28th, because that makes perfect sense. You use the anniversary as the uh, prime opportunity to say, hey, guess what? This big PlayStation 4 exclusive is now coming to PC, and I wouldn't even be surprised to see them later on port it to the PlayStation 5. Uh, but again, Nothing is confirmed as of right now, but with rumors beginning to fly, it would not be a shock to say the least. And maybe you could even play it in a brand new Logitech slash Herman Miller gaming chair, uh, because it looks like they are making ergonomic gaming furniture. Their first gaming chair could be ready as soon as this spring. Plenty of gaming chairs look cool, but whether or not they are actually good for your back is another question. Furniture company Herman Miller and Logitech's gaming hardware brand Logitech G want to change that. They are teaming up to create a line of ergonomic furniture for gamers, starting with a gaming chair that could arrive as soon as this spring. Like traditional athletes, the companies say, esports athletes, professional streamers, and gamers need the right gear to perform at their best. Sorry, stuttered whenever I read that. Nonsense. Plus, uncomfortable chairs can lead to a loss of focus and hurt overall performance. To get the right mix of form and function, the companies plan to incorporate feedback from esports teams like Complexity Gaming, TSM, and Navi. Herman Miller is perhaps best known for its Eames lounge chair, with the company being in the smart furniture business for years. We knew that Herman Miller had its sights set on gaming, but the Logitech G partnership is new, and it's not yet clear what other types of furniture the partners might design. Quote, we are excited to combine our ergonomic research-driven approach with Logitech G's excellence in technology and innovation, said Tim Straker, Herman Miller's chief marketing officer. Today, we'll develop high-quality solutions that provide gamers and esports athletes with the utmost support and comfort. This is part of a larger trend of non-gaming companies trying to tap into the lucrative esports industry. Puma now has, quote, active gaming footwear, aka socks, and Louis Vuitton's League of Legends line includes a $5,650 biker jacket. Gaming chairs in particular can be big ticket items with Acer's Predator Thronos Air selling for $14,000. And Herman Miller said Logitech G will face growing competition from companies like Acer and even Nissan, the automaker once considered car-themed gaming chairs, uh, which I think personally Nissan should probably go for a simulation rig. That's just my two cents. Hey, Nissan, hit your boy up. I got some ideas. Uh, but Logitech and Herman Miller getting together. I want to make one thing very clear. Out of every gaming chair that I've ever sat in or owned, none of them are anything more than colorful office chairs. I have never had one that makes my back feel as good as this $50 chair that I'm sitting in does right now. Because quite frankly, buying an ergonomic chair that is built for long office hours is going to be leaps and bounds better than buying any gaming chair. And let me tell you, 
If you're sitting here thinking, well, I'll just buy one of the cheaper knockoffs on Amazon, that's a horrible mistake. They're trash. They're basically cardboard and plastic with a little bit of fake leather on it. Don't even worry about it. Uh, but overall, I think that this is a bigger deal for Logitech G uh, than it is for Herman Miller because that company not only makes peripherals like keyboards and mice and headsets, uh, but Logitech also owns Elgato. And on top of that, I believe they're part of, uh, no, excuse me, Corsair bought Elgato. Scratch all that. Logitech G needs this because they're competing with Corsair. I don't know what I'm thinking here. Uh, but regardless, if you want to get into a Logitech gaming chair, uh, by all means, you probably probably could within the next couple of months as they team up with Herman Miller, a company that makes very, very good office chairs. So who knows, this could be the first genuinely great gaming office chair. However, a sad story to conclude today's main gaming news. Konami code creator Kazuhi Hashimoto has died. Konami tweeted out a tribute to Kazuhi, I'm so bad at names, Hashimoto, a former producer. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start. It's a cheat code etched into the DNA of the entire generation of gamers from Contra on down. The man behind the code, Hashimoto, has died at the age of 61. His passing was first reported by Yuji Takenuchi, a sound designer who worked on several Konami games, including the much-lauded Metal Gear series. Quote, we are saddened to hear about the passing of Hashimoto, a deeply talented producer who first introduced the world to the Konami code. Konami's statement reads, Our thoughts are with Hashimoto-san's family and friends at this time. Rest in peace. End quote. Hashimoto first implemented the cheat code while testing the home port of the arcade game Gradius for the Nintendo Entertainment System as a way to deal with the game's overwhelming difficulty. Though they never intended to include the code in the final game, it accidentally made it onto store shelves and the developers opted not to remove it. The rest, of course, is history. Variations of the code have made their way all across the world of games, especially in Konami titles, as well as the greater world of pop culture. You can even try it out here on GameSpot. Wait, hold on, what? Uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start. Oh, look at that. Oh, wow, it takes you straight to the Contra page. Sick. Um, anyways, yeah, so, uh, Konami co-creator Hashimoto has passed away, and that is, uh, very disappointing because he was a major part of the gaming culture. I mean, I can't imagine growing up not knowing what the Konami code is. I used it so many times as a kid and it still stands out as a cultural focal point for gaming today. Uh, so rest in peace to Mr. Hashimoto. Again, I apologize for massacring the name, but man, what a significant feature in the world of gaming. But finally, to round out today's program, Shadow of the Colossus and Sonic Forces have been announced as PlayStation Plus games for March. PlayStation Plus subscribers will get access to two new games in March, Shadow of the Colossus and Sonic Forces. Those PS4 games will be available as part of the PlayStation Plus Offering starting Tuesday, March the 3rd. Shadow of the Colossus, developed by Bluepoint Games and published by Sony, is the PlayStation 4 remake of the original beloved PlayStation 2 game. Shadow of the Colossus was released in 2018 on the PlayStation 4, and the original PS2 game was released in 2005. Sonic Forces is a platformer created by the Sonic team and published by Sega in 2017. Originally released on PC and Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, Sonic Forces is certainly not as widely beloved as Shadow of the Colossus, but it makes sense Sony wants to get more Sonic into players' hands. The new movie was released last month, after all. Or this month, I'm thinking it's already March. My bad. Both games are going to be available to download via PlayStation Plus in March and will leave the platform on Monday, April the 6th. For right now, you can still grab Bioshock The Collection, The Sims 4, and Firewall Zero Hour until March the 2nd. 
Very cool stuff here. Glad to see Shadow of the Colossus is up there, one of the best PS4 games and one of the best PS2 games by far. And then Sonic Forces is pretty much there to combat the Sonic offering from yesterday's Xbox Live Games with Gold announcement, which you can check out on the previous episode of the show. But by all means, dive in, play Shadow of the Colossus, and hey, if you don't even want to play either of these games this month, add them to your library because you get them for free as long as you have a PlayStation Plus subscription. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. Of course, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and if you did, drop me a like down below and let me know what stories caught your eye. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your night. I'll talk to you soon, and peace.